Thanksgiving from all of us at AP Marvel. I am part of the camp that refuses to let the tide of Christmas overcome Turkey Day. So today on AP Marvel, we want to attempt to put aside our differences and focus on what we're thankful for. This universe has provided us here at AP Marvel with some of our fondest memories and some of our closest friends. For a few of us, it's even offered us careers. It has provided us with some much-needed light and enjoyment in times of sorrow. And today, we want to take some time to cherish that. Also, it's our 25th episode, so yay, go us! We are quarter to hundred, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on top of going around this proverbial online table talking about what we're thankful for in the MCU, and finally bringing back old memories of great times in the universe, we can't forget to pay tribute to the man who brought this universe to life. Um, Stanley passed away at 95 on November 12th, and we hope this episode can cherish the incredible legacy that he's created um, by giving thanks for everything that he's done and really showing the impact he's had on our lives. Um, as always, it's me, Izzy, and Chris. Hey. <laughs> and, and and me. Oh yes. my god, it's me. It's Anthony. Holy cow, I, I haven't I haven't recorded an episode in like a month. I mean you were just in like the, the most recent I, era. I mean it's been I know, a week I was for in the last most two of weeks us. of episodes. <laughs> but the last episode I recorded was the Venom one. Which is wild. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 I mean it's classes are not great and life is a thing. So this has been Yeah, it's been I, a uh, month I got of off us. of Facebook for a week and a half and as people who know what I do on Facebook it's like usually like a constant thing and removing myself from it is like it's like entering a vacuum <laughs> i mean i woke up at f- uh, four o'clock p.m today so and we're recording um, at uh 5 57 yes. so if that yeah for yeah, context so. jesus for yeah. context i'm thankful for how comfy my bed is is what i'm saying i'm wow. also thankful That's for how nice. comfy my bed is all right speaking of what we're thankful for um so <laughs> as i said earlier um first we're gonna go around the proverbial um online table um we don't have a turkey or anything because we're all not in the same place but um we're just gonna we're just here really sitting down just sharing what we're thankful for um in the mcu um what it's really brought to us um what we learned from it like what it's given us directly or indirectly um and yeah does anyone want to start? Yeah, I mean, I am thankful for. Um, uh, well, first of all, I'm thankful for Izzy saying, uh, despite our differences, as though we're like crossfire and like we all have like <laughs> radical different. Listen, like, it's like, gonna happen. Everything. Someone's and, gonna say yeah. something about one movie, and then we're gonna fight, and it's gonna be like, oh god, uh, what yes. have I done? The great debate. The great debate. <laughs> what movie is better, uh, Thor Ragnarok or Black Panther? Oh dear lord. Okay, no, we're not doing no, that tonight. I, no, um, we're not. I'm just yeah. Um, I'm also thankful about how how you always use the word provo- proverbial. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I see. Here's the thing. I never looked up the definition of proverbial, but I know what it means in context. But it always sounds like an ancient thing, kind of like primordial. <laughs> but that's yeah. That's it. Like prop. Like the this ancient proverb. That, yes, um... that's it. <laughs> like something I'd read out of like a fortune cookie or something like yeah. that. But uh no, in terms of the actual MCU, um I feel like despite the MCU being full of all these crazy commercial blockbusters, it's kind of made me 
think about movies from a more critical perspective, surprisingly, uh, just because of how just just how diverse all of the all of the different movies are despite like having quote unquote the same formula but you know, I was just listening to the commentary from Peyton Reed uh from Ant-Man the Wasp and you know you, you remember from her hot take I had a lot of things I didn't like about Ant-Man the Wasp but I kind of appreciated more just hearing Peyton Reed like mention all of these movie titles of like things that he liked things that inspired him things that inspired particular moments and uh, I was more appreciative when he said when he when he mentioned movies that I was unaware of like usually old movies so I'm like oh man I kind of want to look into that I want to see um like ch- check those movies out see what they're all about and how they kind of apply to this weird movie about a dude shrinking and growing um so, so that's the main thing, um, and I, I assume both of you are going to touch upon this, but like, the MCU has has kind of created this group of ours. So the fact that like we are that that we're all a family that we can all <laughs> sit down around and like have conversations about things that we don't agree with, you know, kind of like in proper Thanksgiving form. Uh, but we're still like this kind of this weird unified unit. Uh, I, I also do want to clarify: there's though. a very distinct difference between people who can't dis- who can disagree on a movie taste and people who can disagree yeah. on a, like other things. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you should be allowed to exist lawfully. Um, oh, uh, versus, uh, I think uh, Thor Ragnarok was the best MCU movie. Um, uh, which I do, I do not have that opinion. I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's an example. If someone said that at a, if someone said that at a dinner table with me, I would say you're very wrong. But I still love you as a person. So if Aaron, uh, I this is this is not a burn, but it will be a segue at some point. <laughs> so if Aaron, if you were at sitting at dinner table with Aaron and she said that, you would say she was wrong. Yes, uh, because <laughs> there is. I can go through the the. I can systemically break down why that movie is bad and why Ooh. there are other things. In the MCU, that are better than that movie. I mean, I will agree. I mean, but I'm thankful for so so here. So this is my segue. I'm thankful for the bad movies <laughs> because then it doesn't make it look like the MCU is this perfect, giant, amazing, um, wonderful thing. Because it needs to have bad things so that you can learn from the mistakes. And if it was this giant, you know, amazing, wonderful, you know, perfect, all you know. Um, you know, perfect child of a franchise thing. Then when the bubble bursts, it's going to be bad. So yeah, yeah, that's one of the. Things. It, it adds texture. It adds character. It adds character. Yeah, yes. and like yeah. I think, I think that also, like now that you mentioned that, like it's funny because like we all, I think, Iron Fist, we all agree was like Marvels almost like first failure but you also saw like thor dark world and like incredible hulk and iron man 2 somewhat iron man i mean i think i'm out of of those three movies iron man 2 less so because it's big problems like studio involvement but like the blow would have been way worse if those movies were like astounding or something like that but yeah yeah chris touched on 
um, Chris touched on this too, but um, I'm very, Chris touched, Chris touched on this, but I'm very thankful for the community that the MCU has like sort of given me. Um, I might have mentioned this in our meta episode, but I actually used to read more DC comics than Marvel. And then after I took the Stuco and started mm-hmm. teaching it, like you realize like how much better the movies are compared to DC. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's yeah, I guess that's one I'm thankful for. Movies are better than DC. Um, and and I'm just really glad that like yeah, like the community, like, the family, like we've sort of created. Like I think throughout the legacy of the Stuco teachers, we've all like sort of contributed something. Like Chris obviously has founded the class. Um. Anthony has brought on a lot of, like, this, I don't know, like, this great, like, energy to teaching it. Um, yeah. If you, want, if you want to, like, rephrase, if y'all want to, like, rephrase that to, like, add what you think you can do, go ahead. Be my guy. Like, Thomas, like, I know Thomas was saying that he brought on us talking more about the villains in, like, a complex detail. And I think I brought on, like, a lot of the social issues we talk about now. But I think the one thing, like, I also remember wanting to really do was, like, trying to, like, build a community of, like, the Speculatron we have and, like, all the little events that we do. And it's really, I guess, sometimes I just don't realize it. But, like, for the Infinity War event, when, like, you know, I saw, like, when we, we were there with, like, 30-plus people, like, you realize, like, wow, like, mm-hmm. all mo- most of these people, like, took the class, like, their friends were there. And, like, it's amazing, like, how far, like, it's come in, like, what I've been a part of and it's great and I can't wait to see what like Sabrina and Aaron also contribute like the next semester yeah. and in the future and yeah I'm just very thankful we already have like a there's a full class already in waitlist yeah like, we have there's there's there, there's there's nine people in waitlist and we're at the max so like that's incredible yeah like even when our second sem- when it was me and Chris's second semester um when it was my first semester teaching um i was going through it and we didn't even have that did you have, did you have a waitlist like your first semester chris we we had a waitlist oh absolutely we had yeah. a waitlist the second semester but it dwindled really quickly like i looked back in it like the next day and it was like it was like 20 people enrolled in the class and then that obviously dwindles as time goes on yeah i mean like the natural i mean like not gonna lie, like, Stucos, like, people will drop Stucos, like, that's inevitable, but, like, that's a, we have, like, a really great base, like, to start off, and, like, yeah. and, like, hopefully they all stay, but I also yeah, I, know. Yeah, I'd rather have, it. I'd rather have kids, I'd rather have people that aren't registered in the course, but come and hang out, and, you know, engage, and, you know, ask questions and stuff, than people that take the class, and then don't do, like, are registered for it, and then aren't as enthusiastic. Um, the, the, so like that was something that happened uh, when I took the class. Like uh, <laughs> my first, sem- yeah, when you took the class and my uh, my first semester teaching, uh, where one of our like the last day of class, we had a grad student who always had a class that day, that time, and could never take the class, but he saw it and he actually got let out early that day. So I was just like, hey, come on in. We we just started, actually. So uh, come and join us. And he was just like, all right, cool. And now we're like, now I'm like friends with him. And it's like really cool. Like, 
that like he enjoyed like he hopped in late into the community and he was only there for a day and he still appreciates like a lot of the stuff that we've contributed to um our kind of own little friend group which i think is really freaking cool (laughs) so so you two you two tell me this um how would you characterize people who take this Marvel student talk class that we teach? Like how, because there is always like a different, um, always different mindsets going into the, into those, um, like people who go into those class, like Mm -hmm. people who might think people who are film nerds, people who just really like watching movies, people who, you know, talk to me about like why you think people are like the different reasons people might be excited about the MCU enough to, come into this classroom at like freaking 6 p.m in the <laughs> just to talk about marvel every week it's it's a it's a culture it's it's at this point it's um it's pop culture it's it's more it's more than half their lives have been existing in this pop culture massive thing <laughs> I can the uh, level it's grown to now worse, for better or for worse uh it's most of their lives that you know they've witnessed this yeah most of their conscious lives they witnessed this yeah you can um, you can mark your college years by the phases of the MCU yeah. yeah my first um I was a junior when uh Avengers 1 came out I was a junior in high school when Avengers 1 came out and then my freshman year um was phase two um, iron man three was uh thor the dark world came out but i never watched it um but i watched a lot of uh agents of shield but that spring my freshman spring i saw uh the winter soldier um and i saw it a second time with uh our friends like me and chris's friends uh brad and james alexander um and a couple of other pe- and Carlos Carlos was there too. Carlos. Uh, okay. uh and we all went to go see uh the Winter Soldier and I and like I was just like amazed by it. Um Yeah. And like I was dumb and an idiot, but I learned I was, like I told I took out my phone in the middle of the movie because I was just like, "Oh, Stephen Strange, uh, uh, he's referenced cuz I didn't know any of this shit." It was it was 6 years ago. It was 6 years ago, so I had right. no idea. So um it was just so much. I I think I remember almost every single theater experience from every single Marvel from every single MCU film I've seen. Um, all the way to the first Iron Man. I don't remember. I don't remember my Hulk and Iron Man two experiences very well. Mm-hmm. But I remember. I can tell you for every other occasion. I can tell you the exact configuration of who was there, <laughs> and probably what theater it was at. I think the only movies I did not see in theaters was Thor The Dark World and The Incredible Hulk. Hmm. I think the, oh, and maybe Captain America 1. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. I think it was because I just wasn't interested in Captain America at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I watched it on DVD, on, like, TV at the, when it came out. Um... And then, because immediately after Captain America came the Avengers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it's just, it's it's been all over the place. Yeah, I think I, I think I put this in like my review for Infinity War, but like, I think for most, like up, so I first, the first part of Marvel I watched the theaters was Iron Man 2. And then I think up to Iron Man 3, 
I'd watch it in the se- I'd watch all of my Marvel movies in the same theater, and it's so crazy. And like I just like those things I didn't realize it. I don't remember like there's always like standout moments like for my theater experiences. Like I remember like I remember who I watched with. I remember like being shocked when I thought Loki was when like I saw Loki was alive. Like I remember laughing my ass off like during Guardians One. I remember crying my eyes out during Guardians Two. <laughs> I gave a standing ovation when uh, Howard the Duck came on screen. <laughs> God. Uh, so I have like, I think like the few moments I remember was I remember uh, seeing Avengers 1. I think I, I remember the second time I saw Avengers 1. Um, I went with a couple of friends. Um, actually, a couple that went to Sacred Heart. Because <laughs> uh, I met them through speech and debate. <laughs> So uh, I was hanging out with them, and uh, we all went to nice. we went to the New Rochelle uh, movie theater. I think it was the AMC, and yeah, and I was just like, movie. "Oh my god!" Yeah, mm-hmm. I was just like, "That's Thanos!" Yeah, like that's what, what other um what what other pop culture phenomenons do you think are kind of um comparable to this in terms of like oh i can track my entire childhood star wars this, even if star wars probably harry potter i would say i went to so many of these movies with my friends and it's just kind of wild like which one marvel or harry potter Mar- marvel stuff okay and it, and it's so cool just you know like oh there's a new movie coming out let's go see it like before i was like stalking each movie when each movie came <laughs> out um i was in like when I was uh, when I learned about Spider Man being in in Civil War, we were at a we were in th- we talked about this before on the podcast. Yeah, we we've we've told the story we on the podcast. We were both before. working on a show together, and I was running around the theater. I wasn't even working on the show. Yeah, you were standing on the chairs. You were I was just hanging out. I was and... just like standing on the chairs, yelling at everyone, like, "Oh my god!" When uh, the announcement came out, the twenty four, like uh, when all the movies were being announced, mm-hmm. I. I since there was no like live stream of it happening, which definitely probably will be happening like in the future. Like if they were to do another event, it like that, should I think they'll have a live stream. No, they definitely will. But like it was, it was 2014 when they did it. So 2014 is four years ago. Like basically four years ago, they announced quick it. Math and <laughs> yeah, quick math. Um, and it's just kind of interesting that. Um, like that's like it was it was so abrupt and they got that many people in there and they didn't have a live stream so it's like uh probably it's like has to do with the times and stuff um Mm -hmm. because i don't remember that many live streams from even back then um but yeah um i was watching the because there was a live um live blog maybe live blog yeah there was a live blog Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and that's how everyone was getting their information Remember? Serpent Society? What? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, so I would, so I got, so like, remember, I wasn't, this was 2014, so I wasn't as involved as, as I am now. So I saw Captain America, Serpent Society, and I'm like, ah, I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> like, I didn't, I, like, I saw Winter Soldier, and I thought that was great, but like, I don't really care for Serpent Society that much. But like, I heard Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, all that was like, amazing. And then Civil War, and we were just like, ah, because I read, I read the comic at the time, and like, just everything is cool. Everything was awesome. It was so wild. Yeah, uh, 2019. Uh, Kevin Feige is going to have a Twitch channel, and <laughs> yeah, <you know>? yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what was it? And then it just. Uh, and then when they released the video, like someone released a video of it, 
and Marvel just never took mm-hmm. it down because like why would they um it was like 30 minutes of just like all these cool announcements and stuff and I watched it like recently and it just like was like oh this is so cool like I'm a part of this this giant planned community and it's so cool the the thing that can like they just show a logo and people go nuts yeah because that's all they did yeah that's all they did they just showed logos uh i can't wait for that in humans movie yo yeah in uh in 2018 just 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 you wait just you wait for that in 2018 to come out and there's two more months left (laughs) um gotta happen anytime yeah, no, uh, what was it? There's, um, I can't wait for the next thing that they do with it. I wonder how the reception will be then, but, yeah. I think they're going to hype it up a lot more because, like, it's, well, people will know what to expect now because I think that 2014 we, we don't know. We don't know what else is happening after Spider-Man, th- uh, Spider-Man 2 and, um, and Guardians 3. We have... Wait, what we know, Doctor Strange 2 is going to have... We have no idea if Doctor Strange 2 is going to be called Doctor Strange 2 or it's going to be called Doctor Strange subtitle. Uh, we know Black Panther 2 is going to be made. So we call it Black Panther subtitle. Eternals. Um, Eternals? Yeah. But, like, yep. we have no... Black Widow. We have no dates. We have no... Yeah, we have just nothing. There's no roadmap. There's no roadmap. And I'm excited to see what the roadmap leads us. There's no uh, freaking diagram with like the dates and the exactly. logos or the time. And I think line. that's kind of like like everyone keeps talking about like oh, there's just like formulaic and stuff. It's like well, right now we have no idea where they're going after next year. Which is like what what's happening? Yeah. It it's it's yeah, it it does seem like a formula. Like it might just seem like a graphic with with movie logos on it. But then when you actually watch the movies in sequential order, you kind of see, like, what they have in mind. Like, why each movie follows the next one. Like, why Civil War is such an important starting point for Black Panther, for Homecoming, for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, it's it's really interesting game mm-hmm. that they're playing. And, like, yeah. this... And it, it it's more of a puzzle that they're fitting together rather than just, like, a studio putting out, like, reserving movie dates. It's, it's a lot more than that, which I think is really interesting. So... They really do yeah. have to do something crazy for post phase three, whatever they're going to call it, because mm-hmm. they have to, they have to, re- they have to assure people that yes, there is life for this after the crazy stuff that happens in Avengers four or whatever that might be. Called. I think Avengers, I think Avengers, the Avengers four is probably going to have like the craziest ending. Not not like it's it's not going to be an an ending that's like. Uh, it's gonna end on. It's not gonna end on a cliffhanger. It would never end on a cliffhanger. It's probably, of course not. It's oh, going I can't. To be, it's gonna be an ending that, like, if that was the last Avengers movie ever, it would make sense. Like, it would everything would be okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, it will be kind of like how Avengers two ended, where all the heroes kind of gather together, and it's like the like it's gonna be the new Avengers, something like that, and it's gonna be Avengers, and then. Instead of cutting off Avengers Assemble, we'll say Avengers Assemble. So it's going to be something like that. It's going to sure. be kind of cool. You see, because you, you see it develop. You see it. You saw the 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 legacy begin. There was an article that came out. I think last year, a Polygon article that came out last year about the legacy of like what MCU brings to 
like is is now bringing to superhero movies and to characters of what it means to have a legacy and what mm-hmm. it means to carry on that legacy and what does oh, it like, mean like how in, like with Spider-Man Homecoming and th- and thematically what does it mean to have a legacy moving like in real life like okay all these people before us all these other great people had created these wonderful systems or um destroy like like destroy like made horrific systems in the past what do we do to carry on a good legacy or to change that legacy for the better um and that was what a lot of phase three was in my opinion what does it mean to carry on a legacy of some kind um and i think that's very fitting for today's age where we're kind of recontextualizing our systems that we live under what does it mean to have a legacy? What does it mean to like like this is something that like I'm thinking about as a 23 year old adult is like, oh, will I have kids? Will I want to bring up kids in a few? Will I? What will my kids' legacy like? What will the like my kids' legacy like? What will my legacy be? And what legacy will my children carry on for me in a future that is, you know covered with you know decaying a, a decaying planet um what what does that mean so it's like you know going kind of deep but it's just stuff to think about that i'm not, you know that's the stuff i'm thankful for wow what the way to bring it back original premise i was just going on like a rant i was just my like a stream of consciousness just flew yeah. out of my brain uh, I, I'm really curious to hear about what specific elements of the MCU, like in terms of characters or storylines that you are particularly thankful for. Maybe like maybe ones that are more recent, but like even just in general, you know, um, Me? since we're talking about the MCU in general uh, from both of you. I think because we haven't talked about the TV series yet. Um, we don't have to, and it's interesting. Like, I think I'm really thankful for like the legacy, the TV, like talking about legacy what the TV series have brought to the plate, because for one, I think you can't go without mentioning Daredevil almost like, I feel like Daredevil almost changed superhero TV. Like, yes, Arrow came before it, and it sort of gave this concept of, like, superhero universes and all that. But, like, I think Daredevil did it really well, and a lot better than the DC TV versus doing. Um, but I think... The level of Have you the... seen the trailer for uh, Legends of Tomorrow? That that wacky trailer with the unicorn killing someone? They have it together. Yeah, they get it. But like they understand. They get what doing. yeah, like they get it now. But like there's, I mean, there's not. <laughs> I, no, all I think the they shows don't really get it. Not that all was the more shows. of a joke. Oh, like, but like not all the shows like are as put together apparently is uh, legends of tomorrow no it's you know uh you know our marvel shows you know they like especially daredevil they, they got yeah it. but like there's also like a bunch like just represented like representation wise it's gotten like like i think before representation wise marvel used to be like pretty shit but i'm glad that they also get to learn from their like learn from their mistakes like talking about like what anthony was saying before like how they have like these duds like thor dark world and like incredible hulk and iron man 2 like they learn, like, they learn from their duds. Like, after Doctor Strange, um, I think Scott Derrickson and Feige said, like, you know, this is a lesson. Like, we're going to learn from it. And representation-wise, I have gotten a lot better. Um, I'm also thankful for, like, shows that we have, like, Jessica Jones and, like, Runaways and just other representative shows, like, 
stronger female characters, I think, paved a big, paved a lot. I think especially Jessica Jones because it was so, it was very, almost very forward thinking, I think, for its time and like talking about like those kinds of issues. And we really don't get to see those like explored well, especially not like during whenever it came out, like 2015. So, yeah. It also blows my mind like how those like, I think Daredevil came out like 2014. That blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. I think um, what ne- the Netflix shows are currently doing is paving a way for what Disney Plus is. Um, and whether it be Marvel connected shows or um, other shows that are just going to be created under this Disney banner. Um, like, what does it mean to do a TV show of that nature, of like a rated R TV show? What does that mean? Like, how to move forward. I think other shows influence the Netflix shows a lot. Um, but I, I, I think they're just seeing how Disney Plus does its mini series will be interesting. Because um, it's something that I've never heard of before. So that would be cool. Um, but going back to Chris's initial question. Yes, um, please. Yeah, sorry. Um, about characters and stuff i've i like a lot of what phase three did and like i talk about it constantly 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 about what what it means to have a mentor and a father and what does it mean to what happens when you learn that the person that you've kind of looked up to your whole life is kind of flawed and what does it mean to deal with someone that has those flaws and to be better by them and to bet and to be become a better person not only like physically and you know get like superpowers or like you know overcome you know a physical obstacle but what does it mean to overcome that that emotional and mental hurdle of uh being better uh than those before you um then be best what be best like melania reminds us yeah be best melania (laughs) melania you know very smart um you know, it's it's stuff like that that is just very interesting. Like, I'm also uh, going back to additional character stuff. Um, I'm very thankful for how the Guardians of the Galaxy taught about how redemption works and how people can redeem themselves from the worst. Um, you have to put in the effort to be better and to do better and to make that change. But if you put in the effort to make that change to show that you can do what's right, then I think people will be thankful for it. But you have to show constant growth. And I think that's, you know, important and stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of my initial initial little thing. Yeah, so, like, the, the overall theme of, like, just being a better, like... Learning how to become a better person, how to redeem yourself, I think it's this it's this very universal theme that we see in a lot of fiction. I, I really like how Marvel um kind of interprets that, you know. I mean every every origin story in the MCU is kind of a variation of that. Like when you look back to the first Iron Man movie, um, to you know, Doctor Strange and Spider Man Homecoming. 
Yeah, Spider uh, Homecoming, uh, the, the the first Thor movie for sure. Ant Man. Uh, yeah. Oh, Ant Man. Yeah, and, and like you know about like the the, the idea of uh, rehabilitation from uh, you know being uh, being a former convict. You know, I think that's a I, th- I think that's a really great story, and I liked how Ant Man the Wasp kind of dealt with that. Um, Ant Man the Wasp also and... deals a lot with like forgiveness too. Like if you're want if you want to like tie in that like how Scott fucked up and how he's trying to rebuild that relationship sure. and yeah like just those yeah like lessons on like that yeah I keep thinking uh, like uh, going back to how much I appreciated Ant Man the Wasp more in my second viewing uh, just just the whole idea of of using Civil War as kind of the backstory for Ant-Man the Wasp. I thought it was this really cool, unique thing that only stuff in the MCU can do. Mm-hmm. Just the idea of using using just, like, the the arc of a previous movie or just, like, the, the events of a, of a previous movie um, to its advantage for creating a basic... Uh, story so you know what civil war did this for so many movies so you have homecoming which i i I really liked the idea about um tony stark takes peter parker on this international trip and has him experience this once in a lifetime thing just totally abruptly in his life and then homecoming the whole dramatic question is like what happens after you do that? Like how, like he just gets plopped back to Queens and he's like, he, he has this totally different expectation on life now. And that just creates such an interesting story arc. And that's something that, um, you, you can't really do in any other movie franchise because of just the, uh, just because of all the, the branching paths and all the, all the ways that the MCU kind of interacts. I mean, you can have like a movie be a sequel to another movie, but to have, um, to begin a Spider-Man movie like that, it's just this really, really interesting thing that I appreciate that is unique to the MCU. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially since, (laughs) yeah, like Black Panther, Black Panther, Homecoming, and Ant-Man the Wasp are all, and, and Infinity War to an extent, they're all, basically sequels to Civil War in a way, and they are all radically different movies. So, you know, that's something that's something I'm particularly thankful for. The fact that um every all of these movies like the fact I cannot believe that Black Panther and Ant Man the Lost came out the same year because they are just so different. Yeah. It's crazy watching them back to back and be like, oh yeah, this is the same these are movies from the same studio on the same year and they are both dependent on civil war but they but in totally totally different ways what's the time gap between uh black panther and infinity war uh not long time in just a couple months because it seemed like opening up to the world was like a recent thing that they did well actually no because wasn't because if Black Panther set a couple months after, so like no, immediately after Civil War, and Infinity War still set in twenty eighteen. Oh, that's that's a whole other thing. I have no idea how the the gap between Civil War and Black Panther is. It's I should probably clarify that soon. That's one thing I'm not thankful for for the lack of official time. <laughs> so far. Uh, I think like um, 
Although to tie that into more positive spin, I think, I guess I'm also like thankful for like the, like all the debates that we get to have like because of it. Because the before like timelines never really mattered that much to me. Like for other fictional properties, and then Marvel screwed up with um, Homecoming, <laughs> but it really forces Eight you years to, later. <laughs> it really forces you to like pay attention and be credible, and you realize that like. You know, as the fans of Marvel, like, we do keep them in line, like, tying, like, also tying back to um, what Anthony was saying about how sometimes Marvel has some flops um, that aren't as distracted as other flops. But, like, it feels like, it really feel like the fans have power because they can call you, they, they'll call you out being like, hi, this is wrong. Or, like, you know, maybe you should try doing this better. It, like, really... I'm thankful that, like, it feels like we have, like, some power and, like, they're listening in some way. And I hope they continue on that path, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, we we will definitely get more into this in in a fandom episode. But the fact that the MCU fandom is – has a good relationship with the creators. So it's – it's – you know, you you see, um, you know Scott Derrickson and you know formerly James Gunn interact with the uh, the community a lot, uh, and there's, you know, you look at you look at the Star Wars community and see just how well, how dire things I are there. The, the problem um, is more of the fans themselves, not necessarily the writers themselves. No, I, yeah. I'm talking about the fans yeah. themselves, but like I, I'm sure there are like some ba- there are definitely some bad eggs in the MCU fandom. But for the most part, what I see are like I don't see a lot of complaining. I don't see a lot of um, as polarized reactions to films. Mm-hmm. And I feel like whenever people share their own rankings, they're always people are like fairly courteous with each other. Uh, there is no the Last Jedi of the MCU that people are just like I, killing I each other would over. Argue... In some regards, and I said this, that Infinity War can come off like that, especially. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think time as time passed, I don't think that eventually it it didn't become like a tribal thing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not as bad as people hating the last. Not nearly. Which is like. Yeah. It still baffles me because after I came out of the Last Jedi, I was just like, "Oh, this is my favorite Star Wars movie," and like, it still is like my top three. I, you know what? I'm thankful we can agree so, on that, Anthony. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, just just look at just look at the Thanos did nothing wrong subreddit, and yeah, that's just more the, of a meme. the 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 meme community that that has cultivated and like just how like everyone has like kind of banded together for memes, you know? Yeah. Whereas yeah, like, like Thanos it, did uh, hash, like r slash Thanos did nothing wrong is more of a meme than. Like people actually believing it, where there there are people out there that actually believe that. Oh, I, that's how I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the memes. Yeah, of course. The <laughs> I don't memes, care. I don't, I don't care about the people who actually I, think he did I'm, anything wrong. I'm thankful wrong, for but... the memes. I'm thankful for all oh, the yeah. great yeah. MCU memes. Memes that... is a very good way of like um, measuring the the strength of the community. I think, as strange as it is, as it is, which is why. Um, you know, you see a lot of right-wing <laughs> meme uh, groups, and, like, they are all bonding over that, and it just goes to show how crazy fucking cultists they are. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the MCU ones, they're a lot more wholesome, a lot, more wholesome, um, a lot less toxic, 
Uh, everyone's just trying to have more, a good like, time. Even though the joke is not necessarily wholesome, the sure. the the general the intent like, the the intent is more wholesome. Like uh, like making fun of the people that died in in Infinity War. It's not necessarily a wholesome thing, but it's more of like a like the the bonding around it is funny enough that it's wholesome. Does that make sense? Like you bond, yeah. Like you bond through like the joy and like well, okay. Not the joy you had in seeing people die, but it's tied to like a good memory, like seeing Infinity War, like, for, like in that yeah. sort of sense. Like it's not tied mm-hmm. to like, oh, like the, the, I'm making fun of this fact, person genuinely. The fact that they made a Thanos uh, game mode in Fortnite is is one of the most Absurd. ambitious crossover events in literally all of <laughs> history, and I think that is. Wild. And- uh, I'm sorry. Have you seen PUBG's Joker and Harley Quinn uh, skins? Because I don't think anything gets better than that. No, I think that's bad. I think that's uh, <laughs> generally not. Well, here's the thing I about Thanos the- did nothing wrong. The subreddit. Uh, I think from because I subscribe to it, and I, my observations are that it has evolved to just a general MCU meme page, <laughs> oh, uh, good. meme community, like not just Thanos jokes. But I will say, I, I was going to mention, I and. Uh, NYCC. I saw, I saw someone cosplay as a janitor, and he was covered with plastic bags with like dust in it, and they had pictures of all the characters from the MCU. Oh. That is so fucking good. That is hilarious. Bit. Yeah. Damn, uh, that's funny. Yeah. So, yeah. so memes at some times, not all times, as recent political cycles have shown us, can be a force for good for. Uh, uniting a a community together. Yeah. Izzy, you better bring this stuff up in the class on Infinity War. Oh, I have hashtag three slides of memes, and y'all aren't ready for them. <laughs> Good. I'm very excited. I gave you some of those memes. Yes, you did. Um, also, another thing about memes, I remember um, when Black Panther was like first getting streamed and becoming popular, like, there was like this really, like, these, like, there were like these initial like stupid tweets about like how like why people were saying like oh like this black person like beat me up like a screening because it was like this is not this movie's not for you and obviously terrible terrible joke because they also posted fake pictures of like actual domestic abuse victims but to sort of counteract that the community like made a bunch of jokes like just joked on the tweet being like yeah like this like I'm an eighty year I, I give, I'm like a forty year old man and this like four year old kid hit me with an atomic bomb saying, Go back to where you came from, Whitey, and then like and that's not the exact tweet. But they were tweets of like that nature, just sort of counteracting that, but just sort of like the I guess like, like just like sarcastic, like yeah. you know, like, oh, this is obviously bullshit. Uh, exactly. You know, stop stop trying to, you know, race bait people uh yeah. into yeah. So Exactly. Like those kind of like that kind of like force is also very like nice and endearing. And like I'm glad like we also I'm glad like our fandom has like I'm thankful that our fandom has like sort of grown to like sort of be mindful. Better? Yeah. yeah. I mean if you Better go on Twitter it's just a, it's a nightmare, but don't go on Twitter, so um Chris, do you wanna take us to the next the next little thing we're gonna talk about? Yeah. Uh, we're all done with talking about how thankful we are. That's that's all the things we're thankful about. There's there's so much. I mean, I don't know. I I'm thankful that Agents of Shield was renewed for a seventh season. 
I am thankful that um, my actual literal self, Nico Minoru, has been represented on screen. And I'm thankful for the community mm-hmm. that the MCU has given me and the family that I lovingly argue with because of the MCU. You know, who we're also thankful for? We're also thankful for Stan Lee. And now we're going to oh. talk about Stan Lee. Oh, what a segue! <laughs> What is that? Was a horrific segue. Uh, if someone can come up with a better idea for a segue, please do so. No, that's that's the only chance we have. Oh, that, yeah. that's it. All right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It's on there forever now. I mean, what was your what was your impression on, um, just just the role of Stanley in in his public life as the kind of spokesman for Marvel not, not the spokesman as like a front man for Marvel let's say and not just like Marvel comics or Marvel Studios but just like the brand Marvel in general I mean were you always happy to see him were you ever annoyed by him like and um like what what give me your th- give me your thoughts on Stanley the man uh had ha- like experiencing him through your entire life because he that dude's been around for a while uh jeez uh he was in mall rats <laughs> made a profound impact on on that uh amazing uh, kevin uh, smith film uh, yeah it made a profound impact on kevin smith's yeah. career uh I think, do you mind if i <laughs> chime in um with my first thoughts on Stanley, like, so, I think, I don't know, I think I some, I feel like I somehow knew about Stanley before I knew about Marvel, which is saying something, but I remember, like, I, so I took, um, so in Carnegie Mellon, we have to take this class called Interpretation and Argument, it's, like, essentially the English class, and, um, there's certain themes of, like, inter class where you can take, Mine was Marvel themed, and one of the things we did was um, the teacher showed us um, it's a compilation of every MCU cameo that Stanley's ever been in, and you sort of see like him, like his like his roles evolve, like before he was like uh, before he was like still like a you know a famed celebrity, and like he was a watcher. He was um, this old like DJ at like a strip club, and. She used it, so like my teacher used it to sort of chart, like, the characters Stanley's portrayed over the years, how they've, like, gone, like, sort of, like, well, like, in the case of, like, Deadpool and, like, Stanley as a DJ Ninja Club, like, a little bit skeevy and, like, sort of portraying, like, this same kind of um, images of, like, older men, like, like Stanley. I think that was more of a. I think that was more of a joke, like, haha, look at Stanley in a, in, a, in a strip club. Exactly, like, it was still, instead like. Instead of, instead of, like. What, what and Stan Lee is just a guy. Exactly. In uh in, in I mean, he kind of had and, like he kind of had like a womanizer like an old man womanizer Hugh Hefner vibe. He, yeah, he was that was one of the cameos. mistaken as Hugh Hefner in Iron Man One. Yeah, like it was um but like despite all that, like you realize like, oh yeah, like this is you don't you definitely don't realize it. But it's still it's still like sort of lighthearted and like fun in the end. Like it's always something people are looking for. And the two movies that didn't have a cameo with Stan Lee, which were, like, X-Men First Class and, like, Days of Future Past, like, you... Wait, they didn't have a Stan Lee cameo? They They did not. not. They did not. And it's so weird to think about that. Because I remember, like, 
I did not know that. I remember, like, she pointed, I think I pointed out, too, because X-Men, like, X-Men First Class is the movie that got me into, like, films in general. I, I will, I'll explain that why in another episode, I wow. guess. But, like, it's so, when a, when a movie didn't have Stanley in it, it's, like, it's so, like, you don't, re- like, it's, like, you, when you think about it, it's, like, oh, yeah, like, this happened. That's a big no-no. Yeah. And we were talking before the episode started, like, just record. I just talked to each other. Oh, how, how, you know, both like Stanley, Jack Kirby, and like Steve Ditko all contributed a lot, and like those three like really did make a Marvel. But like, I think Stanley's the more like public figure that you see, especially like mm-hmm. I, I, I see and sort of and I don't know, like just made it. I think just the public image of he him. He was just the loudest one. I think that I also think, added to it. I think he was also yeah. the loudest, per, the loudest person, and people attach that to like he was the charisma soapboxes were really popular and stuff and um that was another big pull on his end he he definitely wanted to he definitely champions the people behind marvel and he wanted to um you know the same way i was mentioning like a lot of the mcu directors wanted to build a relationship with the fans uh stan lee wanted to build a relationship between the marvel creatives and the fans so you know like it wouldn't be like dear editor to to um the editorial team. It would be like dear Stan and Jack, uh, Jack Kirby, more like. Um, uh, it's just that, uh, you know, when we talk about the the whole controversy of like d- does Stanley get too much of the credit compared to Kirby and Ditko? Um, it's it's really a question on like um what those people wanted because Stan Lee was like the guy at conventions, you know, he was the guy who was always, uh, like Anthony said, like he was the loudest one. So it's, it's really hard to tell if it was like a, Oh, Stan's like taking credit from everyone else. Um, or if it's like the, like, you know, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, maybe they just weren't as public because, you know, right before this, I was watching, uh, parts of this BBC documentary of Jonathan Ross, this, um, British television personality who's a big comic book fan. Yeah, Jonathan Ross is on, uh, he's on Big Fat Quiz of Everything. Sure, yeah, and he... Yeah, and he tries to he tries to find Steve Ditko because he's like, oh, Steve Ditko is like kind of like this recluse almost. Uh, and I, I also I was telling you guys this in the pre-show, but like uh, I completely forgot that Steve Ditko passed away this year in 2018, and um, obviously the, the 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 fervor and the outpour of uh, tributes and grief has like not was not as large for him as it has for Stan Lee. Um, but it, it it's hard to tell um, because I I, I, I um, have a hard time talking about this because I don't want it to sound like I'm uh, you know pissing on someone's grave because I really do admire Stan Lee the personality, Stan Lee the creative uh, writer and artist mm. and um, it, it's the, it's <laughs> the thing about his MCU cameos was that I never walked into a movie uh, consciously thinking, that he would be in a movie. Yeah. Uh, even though subconsciously I knew he would be in it, uh, but it always it was always a surprise when he would show up. And it always yeah. it always came at the right time, usually, you know? 
like with the like Civil War was like such this dramatic movie, and they waited until the very very end for his uh, FedEx cameo. <laughs> I would argue that it was too early for Infinity War, but that's like a very nitpicky detail and it's still fun. <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, it's it, it's hard to fit that in because it's such a dark movie throughout. And I think like the one scene of like Spider-Man in the school bus was uh, had enough time. levity to kind of add that in. Like that's the only that's the only time I could have think to put that yeah. in because like it wouldn't have made, it just he's on Titan or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like as a like that wouldn't make any sense. Um. But anyway, I I do want to say that I admire Stanley. I was always happy to see him in movies. I usually, I I always got like a chuckle. I never rolled my eyes at a Stanley cameo because it, they were always done, uh, pretty tastefully. They were always like you know, Stanley is not an actor. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh man, I am so fired. Like that's not the best line reading, but like it gets a laugh because it's an amusing moment. Because it's Stanley. Yeah, yeah Stanley. Exactly. Everyone, everyone loves Stan Lee, even though they're not exactly sure why. Does that make? I mean, I don't know if that makes any sense the way I just said that, but it's like everyone knows that he ha- he is very important to Marvel. He's always credited as like the creator of everything, but to to us, he's just like, oh, it's it's that old guy who like I know in the back of my head is super important, just showing up in every movie, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's worth, like, um, with him passing away, kind of dissecting, um, his actual role in the creation of these characters. Um, I was reading the Slate article that it's probably more appropriate to come co-creator, mm-hmm. uh, because I think when it comes specifically, mostly to comic book characters, um, credit has always been... A weird a thing. tough and con- yeah weird controversial thing like they just they just retroactively gave credit to um, Bill Finger for co-creating Batman like two years ago even though he was created decades and decades and decades ago that is crazy to me that it took that long to give credit to one person for creating Batman uh, so now it's Bob King. Bob Kane with Bill Finger instead of just Bob Kane. Um, and they both went through the, their entire lives with just one out of two people being credited. And I think that's nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, likewise, you know, like... Um, I'm Michael Kane. Michael Kane. No, wrong Kane. No. Um, is that the Sean Connery impression? No, was that? I was trying to do Michael Kane as... Uh, that Alfred? was like kind of Scottish. Well, that was like uh, that was like Daryl Hammond as Sean Connery in Celebrity Jeopardy. Chocolate <laughs> <laughs> <Shocker> to Trebek. <laughs> I am Michael Caine. Yeah. Uh, how how much do you guys know about Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko? Uh, Jack Kirby was the was an amazing artist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's and he died uh, too soon due to cancer. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Like, there's a Hall of Fame for Jack Kirby, which I think. Yeah. Stan Lee is in, for obvious reasons. And I know Steve Ditko did a lot of stuff for Doctor Strange. And, like, I completely forgot he helped with Spider-Man um, before we were talking about it before this episode. But um, you, I think it's so easy to get caught up in, like, Stan Lee as, like, the main force that, like, he did have, like, a team 
behind he did have like a team with him but like, i think back to like how everyone like anthony was talking about like he was the loudest person like everyone like if you look at like kirby ditko and stan lee like everyone had like their own like role and like voice like jack kirby amazing artist like steve ditko like did contribute to like spider-man and doctor strange and a bunch of other characters and stan lee i guess was also like he was definitely the most like public person um and like even though the three of them all contributed the characters in their own way it's very it, it is like it is hard to like for it is hard to like you know like it's hard like thinking about all three of them now like knowing that they're dead that's yeah. yeah. Um, and it's. <sighs> do Do you guys know about the uh, the Marvel method, like that that Stanley kind of um, um, I don't know if I want to say creative or um, innovative. I'm not too. sure if it was really an innovation, but uh, I think Stanley's method was like Stanley as a writer and like. Kirby, Ditko, and whoever else at the time were artists. Um, Stanley would kind of want um, the artwork first, and then with, with empty speech bubbles. Um, so kind of leaving it up to the artists to come up with the story beats and the developments and whatnot, and then the writer of the dialogue, which uh, I, I guess... Stan Lee saw as innovative at the time, but that kind of, like, gave artists a lot more work to do, I think. Um, so in that way, like, the, the credit was almost uh, disproportionate in times, because it was really the uh, the artists who were really the um, the creative force behind those. Uh, any, any titles that kind of use that method. Um... Not to mention, you know, I think a lot of the things that Stan Lee kind of started, um, it's hard to tell who exactly uh, was the progenitor for kind of the more memorable, modern aspects of these characters. So uh, the whole idea of the X-Men being a civil rights metaphor, the whole idea of um, Black Panther being like this Afro-futuristic society, the whole concept of uh peter parker you know as like he he is he has more of a work-life balance like that is the centerpiece of his uh stories and um it's probably fair to say that stanley had a hand in all of those concepts but did he have a hand um, in spider-man turn off the dark Good question. Definitely not. No, <laughs> pretty sure not. Yeah, this entire uh, time, Chris, is the entire time you're explaining this, I was just reading the entire plot synopsis of Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. Why? <laughs> because one, I hate myself, and two, uh, did you sure. know that it makes a reference to the Greek story of Arachne? Uh, I'm sure I read that on Wikipedia once and forgot about it promptly afterwards, but um. Always. Yeah, no, Stanley obviously did not have anything to do with Turn Off the Dark. But he'll still get credit, right? Like, if you open the playbill, they'll still say, like, inspired by, like, Stanley. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, yeah, yeah, Stanley will get credit for that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm mostly trying to say that, like, it's... I think Stanley absolutely deserves credit for 
um, for having a hand in the progressive, uh, tolerant uh, vibe that Marvel kind of gives. You know, like like Stanley is uh, Romani Jewish. Uh, he, he, I, th- I believe his family comes from Romania, and he like he comes from a Jewish family. And as uh, as as Nat Rose pointed out in uh, our queer episode, like uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are Romani Jewish. Um, so to have to have like prominent um, Jewish characters to ha- to like have a hand in creating the first uh, African superhero, and so and so and so, and like. You know, I, I'm sure many quotes have been passed around about Stanley talking about uh, tolerance and uh, fighting against bigotry and intolerance. Um, Stanley definitely deserves credit for at least like starting to cultivate that atmosphere for other writers to mm-hmm. uh, yeah. take on after that. Can I, can I can I read one of the soapboxes? Please do. So. I'm going to give some context for this one because it's interesting that um, people bring this this concept up all the time with uh, movies, video games, comic books that like, oh, keep, you know, politics out of these things. And it's, it's dumb because it, all of these things are forms of art and art is inherently political. All things are essentially, to an extent, can be considered inherently political. You can argue about... Anything from who makes your computer uh, and whether it's done ethically to whether or not um, uh, certain movies have um, themes that tell um, a, gr- a broader political message. Um, mm-hmm. And Stan talked about this um, uh, years ago. Um, one of the so I'm going to read one of them right now. Um, from time to time, we receive letters from readers who wonder why there's so much moralizing in our mags. They take great pains to point out that comics are supposed to be escapist reading and nothing more. But somehow, I can't see it that way. It seems to me that a story without a message, however subliminal, is like a man without a soul. In fact, even the most escapist literature of all, old-time fairy tales and heroic legends, contained moral and philosophical points of view. At every college campus where I may speak... There's as much discussion of war and peace, civil rights, and the so-called youth rebellion as there is of our Marvel Max per se. None of us live in a vacuum. None of us is untouched by the everyday events about us. Events which shape our stories just as they shape our lives. Sure, our tales can be called escapist, but just because something's for fun doesn't mean we have to blanket our brains while we read it. Excelsior, Stanley. Now there is a couple of grammatical typos in this, and I was kind of thrown back by it. So sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, a message that was written forty plus years ago is still relevant today. That damn social justice warrior, Stan Lee. Yeah, like even when you, because like we were, cause like even though like X Men started to really discuss like civil rights first, like you see all the issues it later reflected on later, like, reflected back later, like, the Red Scare, like, religion, uh, LGBTQ issues, um, and uh, anti-Semitism, but there's a bunch of issues, and I think, and I'd like to think that that wave of, like, social justice, like, is still prevalent today, 
Um, oh, hell, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very glad, like, even, like, even through, like, I mean, this is the thing I'm reading right now, because obviously I am. Um, the reboot of Runaways, like, it's still so true to the original and so, like, progressive. And so it's so adaptive to the modern times, and it's just astounding. And you really think back and you realize, like, you know, Stan Lee was, you know, one of the people who, like, really start this progressive trend and it's very it feels almost very haunting that what he said 40 years ago is still so true today and needs to be more true today if you even think about it with all this shit going on so it's 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 really showing how important it is to have someone who is um uh who who has some sort of privilege like like being a white man you know even though like um, he, he definitely grew up in a time where, like, um, where, you know, be, uh, being, you know, Joe Simon, uh, Jack Kirby, Stanley, they were all Jewish, and, uh, like, they literally, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, like, Stanley lived during the during time of, the like, Holocaust. World War Two, and, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, still, like, as as a white man like Stanley still had privilege and it, it it's important to have uh people with those kinds of uh with that kind of power and pull to open it up to to ideas like that. So I'm thinking a lot about um Gene Roddenberry who created Star Trek to be basically like this diverse uh like it it was straight up like a socialist utopia where like money is not a thing. Yeah. And the USS Enterprise had so many. It, it was like a very diverse. Um, Goddamn, the Federation is so kick ass. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a diverse crew. Like you had Sulu, you had Uhura, you had Chekhov. Um, and I don't think I would definitely call Stan Lee and Gene Roddenberry. 2018 progressive you know like they're not they're obviously not as like leftist as like a lot of people are but the fact that but like in that time it definitely was like taboo you know um like they star trek had the first interracial kiss on television i think yeah. is the urban legend yeah um I, and no, so no but like to to add to that it's very yeah. interesting when people are just like oh they're just a part of their time and stuff it's like well stan lee grew up in that time and he mm-hmm. wasn't a fucking racist shitbag so right. if your excuse for someone is that oh they grew up in a time period where it was more common to be a racist shitbag then that's a poor excuse for to use for a person. Also, I yeah. wanted to say to also I want to say yes, yes, like Stanley was like a white man, like had that privilege, use that privilege well, like to sort of speak out for, you know, the issue like speak out like against like, you know, issues, like social issues, like stuff that was like wrong in society. But he was also still like and he also but he was also still Jewish, like part of like the marginalized community. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. um unfortunately like as much as we like to believe it, like you know, if you're if you're still Jewish, like you're still marginalized, and you know, just because the Holocaust happened, unfortunately, that doesn't mean that you know you're com- that doesn't. What I'm trying to say is that the tree to, of life shooting, the tree of life shooting, still happened, and Jews are still like marginalized. I guess Jews, Jews are still like marginalized, and it really sucks. Yeah, 
And yeah, it's almost yeah. like that sort of and that that sort of like almost like one of us aspect he had in like speaking out um, for what he thought was right. Um, yeah. And that, that that also goes back to the whole idea of like, um, you know, you, you hear people whether it's like out of curiosity or whether or if it's out of bad faith of people being like, oh, so what if um, this character or this creator has this ethnic or religious background? Like, what does that matter? It only matters if the story is good. Well, it matters because like. Like I said, like Joe Simon, Jack Kirby, they co-created Captain America, and they're they are both of Jewish heritage. And then, so in modern day, when you have <laughs> when you have a plot line where Captain America is like a sleeper uh, Hydra agent, that is why, like that is why that matters because like that is contradictory to um, the the genesis of that character. Yeah. You know? Of that, you know, like justify it through your story, or whatever. But like, that's not going to fly because that just goes a very that goes against that whole the idea of the creation of Captain America from these two people. Um, yeah, but I I feel like if you were to listen to, if you were listen to old quotes, or maybe even, like, current... Like, if you listen to, like, Stan Lee on the Black Panther press tour, if you were to listen to Gene Roddenberry and Stan Lee talk about sensitive issues like race and sexuality and whatnot, it probably would make you cringe just a little bit. I feel like um, Stan Lee would like, be more... Obviously, Gene Roddenberry is no longer alive. He has not been alive for a long time, but, like, um, if, you, if you watch some old Gene Roddenberry clips talking about, you know, how much he appreciates... Uh, Asians and quote unquote blacks and whatnot, like that. It's not very politically correct for this day and age. Uh, but contextualized, like maybe in like the 1960s or 1970s, like those dudes were woke as fuck. I guess you can say um, to use colloquial terms. Sure. <laughs> um, and it, it it's it's really important. Acknowledging the people who picked up where they left off. Um, so yeah, we've been talking about like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and Joe Simon and the people who were Stanley's peers probably deserve more credit um, than they do. Not saying that Stanley doesn't deserve credit. I'm just saying that um, like Stanley was the megaphone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so people like again, like what the whole issue that Slate brings up, like using the term creator instead of co-creator, um, but acknowledging the people who came afterwards. You know, like there there are a number of uh, comic writers and artists that uh, I'm blanking on some names, even though they're like I can like think of like a few uh, like uh, Christopher Priest and Jonathan Hickman and like. Brian Michael Bendis and like all these other names that came after who um, really took these characters, made it their own into our modern ideas of who these characters are. Um, that Stan Lee, you know, while he might have conceptualized the character, um, wasn't really responsible for. Um, but it still goes back to like what these later artists have done would not be possible without what started, yeah. you know, with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and all those other people. 
Um, same thing with Star Trek. Like Gene Roddenberry, I think they kind of kicked him out during Next Generation, and then Star Trek became like a completely different thing after him. Um, maybe a little against his vision, but it still became it still kind of continued this uh, progressive, serious. Like we are going to talk about these issues, whether you want to or not. Uh, kind of show. Uh, basically, what I'm trying to say is that conservatives are not allowed to like uh, <laughs> nerd culture. <laughs> um, there's some gatekeeping for you, I guess. <laughs> Do you know what Stanley's birth name was? Stanley Lieber. Stanley Martin Lieber. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting, uh, kind of thinking back to that Jewish heritage and like uh it made me think about how John Stewart's real name is uh Jonathan Leibowitz um almost like almost like they're it, it, like sadly like uh kind of hiding their Jewish heritage and kind of cultivating a more uh Hollywood name I guess you can call it yeah but even, like, it, you have to also think about too, it like it makes sense but it also makes sense yeah. because of the the stereotyping that goes around Jews mm-hmm. and like, you know, the idea that like, oh, all the Jews are in power. They're the ones that, you know, like right. Jewish people control everything. So changing your name makes it look like you're not. But that's not not necessarily saying like changing your name is, is a good and necessarily a good thing, but it's understanding of the context of why someone would do it. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, to his credit, it's a good pen name. Like, Stan Lee is just, like, a very short, easy name to remember, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Tom Haverford. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Stan Lee was just this... Um, Force to be reckoned with. He was a titan, you know? He was a, a titan, like, even though... Um, I, I, I liked this one comparison picture of him at the Spider-Man 2002 Tobey Maguire premiere and at the Homecoming premiere. And even though he is like, he looks a lot older and more fragile in the latter picture, mm-hmm. but in both, he's still doing like the, the Spider-Man like hand motion. And he has that yeah. same smile in both pictures, even though like he is like, he looks radically different, like just 15 years apart. Uh, so we still had that same energy, that same spirit the entire time. Um, yeah, are we going to talk about, like, the, the shit that went around, Stanley? The elder abuse scandals? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of shit. I mean, d- during the whole, like, the, the initial Weinstein effect stuff, like, there were, I want to say there was a TMZ, or, like, some tabloid put out a... There was, yeah. Like, ...quote-unquote expose that he was, like, harassing, like, nurses or something like that. That that actually um, was turned out to be fake. Is that true? From what, from my understanding, that was turned mm. out to be fake as, like, a like a ploy for, like, other shit that was going on with him. Interesting. Um, and, then, and then, yeah, he like... Was, he was getting harassed. Yeah, yeah. I, I was wondering if one of you guys, if you knew more than more about the elder abuse that he um, suffered through in his in his oh, geez, in his last year. Yeah, like, that's nuts to me. Honestly, like if I like I feel like I know like a like a grasp of what happened. And just to recap, like I think like he was like yeah, like being harassed by like his owners and like they were trying to take away take away like his property from him, but like. On the theme of, like, being thankful, like, I, 
I mean, I know it's important to talk about, like, the other abuse scandals, like, he went on, but I also, like, when I think about, like, the abuse he went through, like, it also still makes me sad, and I want to be, like, thankful for, like, this man who's helped to create this legacy, you know? So, I don't know. Like, I just want, I, I just want to really acknowledge, like, it happens, and it sucks, and elder abuse is a thing. And I think he also cited, like, his daughter being like, yeah, she's spending all our money, and but and we don't want her to control that. Like, that is kind of, that also kind of sucks. But, like, I don't know. I'm just wanting to, like, acknowledge it happened, and it sucks. It was the last year of his life. You're right, Chris, which is crazy. But, like, I also want to, yeah. I... Well, we also want to point yeah. out, like, like in that same vein, like, his 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 agent was being really shitty, too, and was, you know, controlling and stuff. and. Yeah. It just And that's important to understand as well. Yeah. It just sucks that like Um yeah, it just sucks that like it happened to him, you know? And that's all I really mm-hmm. had to say. Wasn't something similar happening with uh Harper Lee mm-hmm. with uh the writer of To Kill a Mockingbird, I think, and people were kind of uh suspicious that she suddenly like, shortly before her death, like, uh, pu- abruptly published this To Kill a Mockingbird sequel book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, man, elder abuse is a real thing, everyone. Um, kind of a bummer to think about, but that's that's reality, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um... I, I was talking to, um, I won't say who it was, obviously, but a friend who was not that unhappy uh, because of some comments that Stanley said about the possibility of, uh, back in the Amazing Spider-Man 2 days with Andrew Garfield, some comments that Stanley made about uh, Andrew Garfield suggesting that Spider-Man could be bisexual at some point. And it's kind of going back to that, um, oh, maybe, maybe, like, these figures like Stanley and Roddenberry were, like, progressive and, uh, you know, for their time, but things that they would say then and even now, like, would not be considered to be politically correct <laughs> today. Yeah, I also don't think, like, yeah. one offhanded comment from a guy who's... 80 for 85 years old is all that important and also that damning for a person that's lived a pretty collectively long and you know uh long life that's filled with the you know ups and downs i mean mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i've mm-hmm. i've done shitty things <laughs> but like you know, I learn from them and I progress, but like, I mean, yeah, he's like old and he was like 90 something at the time, but he's also yeah. 90 years old. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's really, yeah, like, like, should we give people a pass because of, of their like age? Other and, age. And, you know, yeah. they, like, they, they, they don't, they might not have the capacity to learn the same way that like younger people like us could have. Yeah. Like, and also, he also has no power at that time anyway. If they wanted to make him bisexual, they could have made him bisexual. Yeah, like that's not Stanley's say, you know, like, um, uh, and, I mean, he, he, you know, if, if, like, you were to ask him about, like, Miles Morales, like, he'd probably say, like, oh, yeah, I'm all for it, you know, because that's, 
you know, like on a PR sense, that's good, but like also probably on like a philosophical sense, like Stanley probably doesn't care. He's probably just okay with whatever, mm-hmm. you know, which because is it's, like not it's in the... universe in like the like you can make like an art like how the argument in his head works. Like, oh, you're changing the character. It's like making a Spider-Man a random character's name that you've never come up with. Does that make sense? Sure. Like um, that's. I'm not saying that that it's that it's right. I'm just saying that that's the argument that he came up with in his head. Yeah. Um. So I, <laughs> I keep kind of going back and forth on like um, like it, it is um, is it just acceptable to be to be progressive to a point where like. You're you're generally okay with everyone, even though you might say a few specific things that kind of might poke at your brain, or that do, that don't really sit right with you. But um, again, like at the time he was seven, he was ninety two years old, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really know. Like I I don't expect him to be a uh like the wokest man <laughs> at age 90, <laughs> at age ninety two. So yeah. It's worth talking about that, like in terms of his legacy, though, because, um, you know, he he's still an influential figure. Like anything that Stanley says about anything Marvel related, even though he has no power, uh, will will have a ten will have uh will attract attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Stanley has been. Credited as an executive producer on basically everything at this point. Yeah, it'll be weird. He had like, nothing to do with the Guardians of the Galaxy creation, and like he was, he camp he cameoed for those. He wasn't even sure he was going to be in the first movie. <laughs> and then uh, I think he, he was quoted saying, "Like I, I'm not even sure who the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy are." And um, then later on, he was quoted uh, before the movie came out. I was like, oh, yeah, I did a cameo for them. I don't know what I was doing, but all I remember was that there was a beautiful woman there. <laughs> um, <laughs> my Stan Lee impression, by the way. That's a very Stan Lee thing to say. That's yeah. a very old person thing to say. Do you remember his Age of S.H.I.E.L.D. cameo where, like, he was um, he was on the train and he overheard, like, uh, Simmons and Coulson were in character and Simmons was like having this dramatic monologue, like, de- describing her character's backstory of, like, how bad a husband Coulson's character has <laughs> been. And Stan Lee is, like, in a robe and, like, has, like, two young ladies, like, arm in arm. And he starts, like, admonishing Coulson and, like, praising Simmons. And it's, it's like, the strangest thing ever. And then you look back at, like, the, the Iron Man 1 cameo where, like, Tony Stark called him Hef. <laughs> yep. And again, yes, and then like you know, Iron Man three is him horny over young ladies and holding up a sign, like a rating sign at um, at some sort of pageant, I guess. Uh, and then of course a strip club, <laughs> the cameo, uh, chastity. Um, so I don't know. I guess that's why it wasn't totally surprised by that that one tabloid report but i guess i'm glad to know that it apparently wasn't true yeah um that that's from the last i've heard i could be wrong now i'm just pointing it out there yeah and it's it's kind of like a you know it's kind of a boys will be boys like we shouldn't just 
like we shouldn't give people a pass because they're super young. I'm not sure we should give people a pass because they're super old, but you know, I guess there's no real evidence of Stanley doing anything wrong. Again, I'm not trying to stomp on his grave or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just think I think it's uh, important to talk out. about all aspects of the man. Yeah, yep. like it's still an issue. Like yeah. when you think about James Gunn, like you have to ask that too, because like you know he's done. Like he is a very outspoken critic, and then he said these things back in his like back when he was younger, and so uh, I, it's the I, same I, old I, debate. I, don't know. I feel like those things are well. Yeah, I think we we've discussed that. Yeah, already. but like it's still. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah, obviously, those are two very different situations. But like, you still have to group those in like the same. You still group those in like the same debate, and mm-hmm. yeah. Um, do you want to Stanley? Yeah. Um, do you want to say anything else about Stanley, or do you want to wrap up? Because I don't know if we. Uh, I, I, I guess I can sum up. I, I can I can sum up by saying that, um, and someone else can chime in afterwards. But like. Stanley was very important for the genesis of of several Marvel characters. Um, he was definitely essential, but he was by no means the only person responsible for these. Mm-hmm. Um, his heritage as a Romani Jewish person is very important to uh, a lot of these characters and the creation of a lot of these characters. And um, even though certain things Stanley like, might have said, like, will not fly by today's standards of, like, uh, political correctness. Like, he is still, um... But he's still responsible for, uh, the progressive wave that Marvel Comics, and I guess comics in general, and, you know, let's just say fiction in general, you know, um, that, that continued on, um... Like, obviously, he was not a part of the the tail end of a lot of that. But it's important to acknowledge Stanley's role in at least beginning that wave. Whoever's doing the in-memoriam for the end of the year needs to say, needs to have a picture of Stanley with Ditko. Yeah, like they yeah, just do. Sure, and Jack Jack yeah. Kirby as well. And um... I think that that's my final kind of say on this whole discussion. Yeah, because uh, yeah, same year. Like that's again. That's I. I could not believe when I read that. Because <laughs> I, I totally forgot. I mean, I might have seen some uh, Twitter tributes from like Derrickson and the like, but um, man, I can't believe it. That like all these, all these titans are are no longer with us. That's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Chris, where can people find you on social media? Also, tell us what's coming up soon. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you can find me at Compenderizer on uh, on the Twitter, on the Twitter sphere. Uh, I'm trying to put together a Daredevil Season 3 hot take episode. Uh, I realize it's been a while since the season went up on Netflix, but I think a lot of us have had to digest it because there's been so much going on in the world. Um, plus, I think I wanted to wait until I got this uh, article that was long in the works about... Uh, a lot of the politics of Daredevil Season 3, especially in the wake of a lot of real-life tragedies that have happened that are kind of weirdly, like, um, referenced and imitated in Daredevil Season 3. I think you'll know what I'm talking about once you think about it. Uh, so yeah, I might get uh, Thomas and Sabrina, and if I don't know if either Izzy or Anthony, if one of you guys ever want to be on that uh, all I of a sudden. I have to pass the class. I can't. Yeah, no, Izzy's going to be oh, pretty uh, busy. I'll try to watch it as best I can. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't, Anthony. I don't want to force you to binge it just to be on this episode. I've, so that's really up to my you. My life has been kind of a mess lately, uh, so <laughs> I'm just kind of trying to to deal with my own seasonal issues and, um, you know, just kind of get through a lot of stuff. So, well, Anthony, where can we find you on Twitter if we want to follow your uh, crazy life? <laughs> what? Yeah, they can find me at uh, at the Pizza Taco on Twitter. Uh, Sorry if I came off as weird in this episode. I've just been kind of all over the place today. I was playing D and D earlier, and I even was weird in my normal uh, my normal campaign. So, hmm. yeah. So I've just been. I'm sure we'll forgive you. It's yeah, fine. yeah. So everyone who listens to the show loves you, Anthony. Oh wow! Thanks. <laughs> I love you, Anthony. Oh, thanks, Chris. Um, I love you. So Anthony. yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. I actually got off of Facebook, which I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Um. Congratulations. And uh, it's it's weird. Because, like, I would post yeah. something, like, I would post, like, 20 things every day, and I now know. I post nothing. So now people's Facebooks is like a giant vacuum. Um, <laughs> and I want to know what people are, like, what is it like? What's it like to not see me? Um, I have I have had a an extension that blocks my news feed for over, for almost two years now, so I don't even know, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> Izzy. Yes. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. If you want to see me more frequently on Twitter now, uh, that's where I'll actually be. Uh, but, yeah. But, Izzy, have you seen me on Facebook? No, I have not. Is, is it weird? Um, so, I just started... So, I just um, joined the group Subtle Asian Traits on Facebook. And so, that's my <laughs> newsfeed now. I see you, Chris. I see My you. sister animates that and tags me on like every <laughs> single post now. Oh, it's so it's so good. Um, you can follow me at none of those references because I am a white man. Yes, if you you can follow me on Delirlin on um on Twitter, and if you're if you're Asian, I guess you can you should follow subtle Asian <laughs> traits. I guess because I just plug that. Um, free plug for yeah. Um, they, wait, they wait, don't. Is, they don't Is need it, the free spell plug. Spell out Delirlin so that people know because it's been a while. D E L I R I L Y N. Um, we also, yeah, we put everything also on the page. But yeah, um, thanks to Stephen Molitor for the theme song. Thanks to Charles for achieving the graphic design dreams that I only hope to achieve. Um, <laughs> I'm, also I've some been, sick and, YouTube uh, thumbnails. Yeah, in all seriousness, Charles, like, you're Jesus. They're really good, and thank you. Um, <laughs> I thought you said, you're Je- you are Jesus. <laughs> Not your M-Jesus. Those are really good. <laughs> yes. Also, um, and also, I guess, yeah, that's it. Um, thanks, friends. Bye. Everyone go wow. back to sleep. <laughs> The, and there goes the theme song. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Because Eat Thanksgiving. that turkey. Yum, yum, yum. Yum, 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 yum. Oh, I want some mashed potatoes. Uh, mashed potatoes and cranberry gravies. And the oh, the turkey looks stuffing. great. Stop.
stopping it now. Harry Potter, but Harry Potter mm-hmm. is, uh, in my actual opinion, and I can get probably a lot of hate from this. Um, <laughs> I actually think that Harry Potter's bad. Okay, here's what. Okay, I actually think Harry Potter is. Okay, oh, Izzy's gonna go off thing. now. And uh, hold on, let me. Fi- I'm not. I'm not done. I'm not done describing how bad Harry Potter is. Oh uh, Harry Potter uh, is uh, is the bougie. Uh, understanding of what uh, witchcraft is, and I hate it. Um, you know, prep schools, it's uh, a prep majority prep white school. people. It's it's like what like it's a, it's it's a it's a Margaret Thatcher era prep school. Exactly, story. it's a Margaret Thatcher era of prep school in uh, in England. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so this is why the differences come out to play. So I was. So I remember. <laughs> when Nagini was first cast, was first revealed for for Grindelwald, I was like ranting to Chris about it, and he was showing me this, which is yes, a bad movie. I'm not gonna. It is a horrific movie, and no one should see it. It is so it's such a jarbled mess of bullshit. You watched it? Uh, I have watched uh, bootleg pieces of it <laughs> uh, because I do not want to watch the full movie. Goddamn criminal! Like, I've read spoiler reviews of it. <laughs> Well, are you? Oh, I'm gonna use this good? episode as evidence. Well, yeah, I'm good. I'm just coughing. Okay, wait. So let me. So as the Harry Potter fan, I was going to. I was want to also one, rebut you, and two, bring up an interesting point. So for the rebuttal, I think. I know. Actually, I will do the. I will do Chris's point first because it's interesting. You were say it was interesting. You say how like, the only thing that's sort of comparable to this, like. The pop culture phenomenon, like, almost comparable to, like, Marvel now with, like, Harry Potter. Because what is interesting is that I think the Deathly Hallows Part 2, when things should have ended, um, that came out in, like, 2011, I think. Someone can fact check on me. Yep. And yes. then Avengers yes. came, and then, like, Marvel was like, just starts, and then Marvel was, like, just starting, like, that was, like, Iron Man, like, Iron Man was, like, 2008, and Marvel was just starting. And then you had the Avengers, like, the year after. So I think it's really interesting how, like, if you were a fan of both, you just like picked it. You just like pick like Marvel. You just Marvel just like picked you up from like where you left off because like, oh, like your childhood just ended. Now here's like, now here's Marvel. They can keep on going, motherfuckers. <clears throat> yeah, like it's interesting how that sort of like yep. <laughs> aligns and how like almost it almost like replaced one, not replaced obviously, but like almost like they just followed after one another and it's like interesting that you bring it up because that is very true like i i grew up with harry potter so which is this is the rebuttal i grew up with harry potter like my cousins loved the books i saw the last movie like in theaters never in read Manila. the books i actually uh i could not See, get through the book that's i mean okay granted i did not finish order of phoenix because that book's 800 pages but um whoa that is the hottest of takes that coming is a from hot take izzy uh, trademarked uh, Harry Potter fan. Listen, I only uh, mentioned that. Did not that. <laughs> finish Order of the Phoenix. I literally just heard, did I? I don't know. Anyway, but like what I think it is like a period piece, I will say that. But like, like Chris was like telling me about it. Um, a period piece? It was based in the 90s. There was nothing 90-esque about Harry Potter. There's an art, I think Maybe social norms and other yeah, subtle yeah, things yeah, like, about those, British politics. Well, lack, podcast, the lack well, of phones like and that, like, yeah, Margaret Thatcher esque stuff coming down from that. So maybe. Like, what was the podcast Chris that you linked me to that like had that just sort of explained that when referring to like 
why Dumbledore like wasn't gay. Yeah, the the waypoint radio yeah. about J.K. Rowling, mm-hmm. um, uh, retroactively making Dumbledore gay, making a bunch of other creative decisions. Yeah, there's a, there's wait, a I'm not done. Watch that talks about. Oh, sorry. Oh, Jesus. I know this supposed to be a happy episode. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is supposed to be a happy episode of what we're thinking for, for the MCU. And the MCU is able to take the fans from the Harry, the, the the bad Harry Potter franchise and bring them into an understanding of how good, reasonably good movies should well, be. Well, like, the thing is, this is also my childhood, so that's I'm why I'm rebutting you. Upset. I, some of them are pretty good. Sorcerer's Stone was fun. Um, Izzy, we could, talk, we could talk about Harry Potter another time. Yes, let's get uh, back to Marvel. Yeah, let's 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 yeah, let's focus on the good shit. Uh, and I mean that like in the sense of like let's focus on like the the stuff that we enjoy. Um, what was I going to say? It's gonna be fun uh, to edit. <laughs> uh, also, Chris, like you can trim out that Harry Potter like debate slash rant slash like fight to I make d- it appealing. I entirely intend to. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. No offense to either of us. I completely understand. No, full offense to both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. 